Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. I'm Ben. We are joined today, as always, by our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Tristan McNeil, nicknames TBA. Should be easy for this one, right? Yeah, it should be easy. We'll have a lot of choices. Yeah, so many things to choose from in this one, because today we're going to talk about... Oh, well, I'll tell you, the article that we're following, I guess, maybe, mm-hmm. from, from Road & Track is called 10 Surprisingly Affordable 1990s Dream Cars. Now, this touches on a lot of things that we love here on the show. Right, and a lot of stuff that you, ladies and gentlemen, have wrote uh, wrote in and asked us to look at in the past. Uh, so we want to give a big shout-out to the uh, author of this, a uh, fellow named Chris Perkins. Yeah, and, of course, we, I said this touches on several things. Of course, affordable is probably number one, right? That's a big caveat. Affordable is number one, but you got to also think about every word in this title because... <laughs> 1990s, okay, that's one category right there. Sure. Affordable's one category. Dream cars, that's the, uh, that, that's the, the key here, maybe. Yeah, maybe. It's that's, because that's the kicker. Back in 1990, there were a lot of cars that were still kind of unattainable for a lot of us. You know, they were, they were something that were just out of reach because of the, the cost. And I've got, in many cases, several examples of, you know, a, a ballpark MSRP for the vehicle, uh, you know, around what it cost during the 1990s. And, and maybe sometimes it's a specific year. Uh, where I tried to find, you know, like, since a, a production model ran from, you know, 1990 to 2000, I just went right with the median at 1995 and gave you the MSRP for that. But the the idea here is that now, in, in 2017, the prices of these cars that were once seemed, uh, once seemed unattainable are now attainable. Okay. Uh, for most, you know. The, I mean, it's still a, a toy. It's still going to be something that, you know, you're... It, probably not your daily driver, but something that you know you drive on the weekends. Maybe it's something that uh, maybe not a project car, but a driver. You know, something you can use and have fun with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we have this. We we have this list. We'll walk through, and we want you to. Uh, we want you to drop drop by our Facebook and our Twitter. Uh, in our email and, and let us know what you would add to this list because my favorite part about these, Scott, is when, um, w- when people come in and say, also, 
I think this should be on this list. Well, usually it's this. It's, I can't believe you didn't include, (laughs) and then it's followed by whatever it was, right? So this list has 10, and I'll be honest with you, this is a pretty good list of 10. Now, I know there there are a lot of them out there that that I'm I'm sure that have just, you know, they're they're lost to time in my memory. But I I, I can really only think about maybe one one more that I would add. But, again, they have to be from the 1990s. They have to be a dream car from then. And they have to be affordable. and, And affordable now. Right. Affordable now, so that's the that's the key. And you know, let's just start off by saying, sure, an Acura NSX would be great for you know a lot of people, and I would love one myself. Sure, but they're still pretty expensive. That is completely true. And my there's o- other cars that have kind of gained in popularity, which means they gain in value as well, like the Toyota Supra uh, of the 1990s, which is an incredible vehicle. Which uh, you know, a lot of people again, a dream car. They were expensive then; they remained expensive for a while. Uh, then they became affordable. Now they're getting expensive again because collectors and people are kind of taking interest in them again. So the Supra is probably off the list again. So th- that's another example. Like you know, maybe you're looking at the ones that are kind of an undiscovered gem. You yeah. know, something that uh, that you know about that not a lot of other people have really you know given much care about in the last uh, oh, I don't know twenty five, twenty seven years. So let's jump right in, shall we? Yes. All right. No particular order. No particular order. Thank you for saying that. That is absolutely true. Uh, first up, the Chevrolet Corvette C5. Yeah, specifically the C5. Now, this is uh, the production model years, actually kind of the trail end of the 1990s, from about 1997 till about 2004. So we're talking about the early C5s. Yeah, for uh, for around 15 large you can get your hands on this on this car with some pretty pretty compelling stats and fifteen thousand yeah fifteen that's, that's amazing that's amazing especially you know when you consider that these are these are beautiful vehicles there's no two ways about it right yeah, yeah. and they have high performance as well oh for sure yeah that's right they've got a uh, well uh, three hundred fifty horsepower one hundred and seventy five mile per hour top end on these mm-hmm, on these vehicles mm-hmm. um, again these cars in nineteen let's take nineteen ninety nine so the very end of the nineteen nineties production so nineteen ninety nine they were ballpark right around let's say f- anywhere between forty thousand and forty six thousand dollars so they are still pricey expensive affordable because I think they called these the uh, the blue collar supercar uh-huh. uh, in the past, you know, it's kind of that, the, like yeah. AKA blue collar supercar. Um, they've got expensive insurance if you want to look at it that way. I mean, even if you're going to buy one now for fifteen thousand, uh, you're probably going to pay a lot for insurance, especially if you're a younger driver. So, um, maintenance isn't going to be quite as expensive as some of the other cars we're going to talk about, and, right. and that's a theme. It's going to come up too, by the way. Uh, maintenance, cost of ownership. Oh, yeah. cost of ownership. Yeah, for a lot of the cars. Now, remember the. Uh, this is again off topic already. First one on the list, and we're off topic. Hmm. Remember how we often talk about, or we used to talk about, the Ferrari, the three hundred eight. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, you know how maintenance is the real killer on it. You could buy one for a reasonable price. Sure, and then, sure. And then later, a listener wrote in and said, uh, "You might want to check on the value of those because it went up by three times." So, you know, that's kind of the lesson learned, I guess, is that, you know, they, they've increased in value mm-hmm. and without us knowing. That happens a lot. And, and a few of them that I looked up to kind of add to this list, you know, at the end. Sure. I, you know, I like to add a few yeah, here yeah, and yeah. there in my own picks. Um, I was surprised at the value. They either retained value or went up in value. And so that's why my picks didn't make this list, really. You got priced out. I, I did get priced out. You yeah, got but priced out of affordable <laughs> 1990s dream cars. I know it. How sad is that? That's I mean, 27 <laughs> years later, and I'm still thinking, ah, that's a little too much. A little too much. Uh, you know, one that really surprised me is the next on the list. Oh, yeah. I was not expecting to see an Aston Martin on this list at DB7, but it turns out that... If you 
are a talented car sleuth, if you are a uh, automotive PI, you can find a DB7 for under forty thousand dollars. Under forty thousand. Now that sounds like still like a lot of money, right? But it you got a lot of money. Well, it is a lot of money, but you got to remember <clears throat> the price of these things when they were brand new was somewhere around one hundred and forty-five thousand dollars. Now that's in the late nineteen nineties. So if you were to do the inflation calculator thing and extrapolate that to twenty seventeen, yeah. That comes out to somewhere around two hundred and twelve thousand dollars. So, gotcha, gotcha. in in twenty seventeen dollars now again, and if you're buying it for under forty thousand today, that's that's relative. I mean, that's telling telling you that it's a two hundred twelve thousand dollar valued car at forty thousand dollars. Maybe I don't know. Maybe that's not the right way to look at it because you know age depreciation that kind of thing happens as well. Obviously, depreciation. They debuted in nineteen ninety four. Uh, but by 1999, so 1999 is the year to look for in this because that year uh, they had a V12. Yes, yeah, that year they had a V12. But the the straight six will get you get get it done. Yeah, you know? well, that's true. There was a straight six that was uh, prior to that. It was a 355 horsepower mm-hmm. straight six, I think. The V12 power advantage. I think this article says that it came around in two, the 2000 model year, but I've looked this up elsewhere because I, I do that. I look up yeah. the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. and uh, 19, trust but verify. Yeah, that's right. I verified it, and it, it seems like 1999 was the year that um, that the V12 appeared. Um, some strange things about this. Of course, this is the um, uh, car of choice of James Bond. Right? Yes, yeah, Aston that's Martin, true. So that's, that's something true. you get the name for it, right? It's kind of. I mean, it's a. The styling of this one, I'll tell you, I'm. This is probably one of my least favorite cars on this list, really. I mean, honestly, to, to look at it, and it's one of the more expensive ones too. Yeah. Um, I'm but an Aston Martin fan. Like? I'm just not crazy about it. It's just not a good looking car to me. It doesn't look like. I think there were other Aston Martins that were better looking. Mm-hmm. I think there are other cars on this list that are better looking for less money. There's, you know, the thing about the DB7 is that. It has a sort of sedate design, other than the air intakes there at the um, on, at the back of the front wheels. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like it's built to be a sedan, and they forgot to add the back doors. There's probably a good reason behind this. Now, this yeah. is what this becomes uh, a, a production model when Jaguar was owned by Ford, Ford Motor yeah. Company. And if you look at it, you'll you'll clearly see Ford lines within this. And and it also, this is another thing that it was kind of like a a spin-off, I guess, or it was a um, a design. Maybe that's not the right way to say it. It was a design that was rejected by Jaguar mm. when they were thinking of creating the vehicle that they called the XK8, and the XK8 is a pretty remarkable car too. But and I'm not saying this isn't remar- a remarkable vehicle. It's just it has styling that just doesn't. To me, it doesn't scream Aston Martin really. I see what you're saying. I think that it's it's pretty mild. But I'm also a I'm I'm an Aston Martin fan, but. Uh, yeah, this one looks a little bit more. Well, yeah, it looks a little more Ford, well, doesn't it? Jaguar passed on it. We'll just say that. Okay, we'll say that. Right. And so they passed on it, but it is a pretty remarkable vehicle because it does go. It has 185 mile per hour top speed. Um, mm-hmm. Zero to sixty is relatively quick for the time, around 5.3 uh, 5.3 seconds. Um, it, it's not a bad car. It, yeah. It's just not to me. It, to me, it's not a great car. I mean, the 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 V twelve. Um, that's a six liter, four hundred and twenty horsepower engine, very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you can get a six speed manual or a five speed automatic. Um, that was in, again just the nineteen ninety nine. So we're catching the very end of the nineteen nineties in this one. But um, I guess it'd be cool to say that you own an Aston Martin for forty thousand dollars or less. That would be cool. 
I would leave that part out. I would just say I have an Aston Martin. Well, of course you would. You would. You wouldn't. Uh, you're not one to you know promote prices on things either. I mean, not a lot of people do really. Well, no, some people. do. I would just be being disingenuous. I would also need to get a really nice tux and yeah. just wear it all the time. And always have a martini in your hand. You know, this is okay. This is a side note, but I promise it will be brief, and I will not derail us too far. Uh, you know what? You don't need to say that to me because I do that to us all the time. Oh, okay. So I read this really interesting article where someone did the math of James Bond drinking, mm-hmm. and apparently he was a raging alcoholic and would have died because you know they just they took um, just the course of the films, so not the novels, yeah. And they you know put a tick mark every time that he had a drink, yeah. And they were like, this guy is blind drunk about. 40 minutes into every film. Oh, my gosh. Oh, he should be. He should be. And he's also in, the, in, in these incredible car, cha- car chase scenes, right? Right. He's in incredible car chase scenes doing acts of uh, physical daring do and then yeah. taking really difficult shots with firearms. So, in reality, he'd be stumbling around, wouldn't be able to hit the side of a barn. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Couldn't probably drive anywhere without smashing into a wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, would, he would have trouble putting on clothes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I just I thought that was uh, I thought it was a really interesting article, and I'll, I'll post it if I can dig it up. I'll put it on our Twitter. Um, well, I mean that's what he's known for: martinis. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, of course the Bond women. Yes, you know, of course coolness. Maybe that you're mm-hmm. right, but the Aston Martin goes along with that coolness. I mean, he always had an Aston Martin. I mean, and, I think James Bond is one of the best things ever happened to Aston Martin. Yeah, well, he is, and and that's the thing is that you know there's some Aston Martins that you know have become classics, and I mean look at uh, the DB4 GT Zagato models. There were 19 of those made. And those are back in the 1960s, early 1960s. Mm-hmm. Those retail still sell. I shouldn't say retail. They they auction now. For anywhere between one point three and I think it's two and a half million dollars. Oh, so well, that's a, it. Huh? Well, a significant step up from you know this forty thousand dollar DB seven, and I guess maybe that's what I'm seeing is that I'm comparing the two and a half million dollar Aston Martins to the yeah. to the thirty five thousand dollar Aston Martins, and that's probably my issue. I'd still drive a DB seven though. They they seem like they're good cars. It's yeah. just. I would be a little concerned about maintenance. Well, it, yeah, maintenance would be an issue too, sure, of course. But, um, you know, yeah, I'm sure you don't pull into an Aston Martin dealership and ask for an oil change and they tell you it's, you know, 1995. I don't think that's the case. Well, do you have the coupon? (laughs) (laughs) Aston Martin owners don't cut coupons, Ben. (laughs) Do you know? Lies, Scott. Yeah. Lies. Uh, do you know? Uh, how many people, apparently there's a problem. There are a lot of people who will take who will cut out like one of those paper coupons for one oil place yeah. and then take it to the other oil places oh. and be like, I know this is expired and this is for a Jiffy Lube and you're an Express Lube or whatever, but don't you want my business? Wow. And people will accept it. Number three, uh, this is this is an interesting one. The Nissan uh, 300ZX Twin Turbo. Yeah. Uh, the first thing... Okay, so these are these are great. Everybody wants to know the price. You can get a one in good condition for around twenty thousand dollars. I gotta say, this is always this has always been weird to me. Maybe you can maybe you can give me your thoughts on this, ladies and gentlemen. The Nissan three hundred ZX, God love it. The front of it looks like a Saturn. You don't like it? I didn't say I didn't like it. I used to own a Saturn. Yeah, I owned, okay. I, I had two Saturns, in fact. Okay, but, I see what you're saying. I hadn't really looked at it that way until just now, and looking at the photo, I see exactly what you mean. They, uh, now, Ben, according to some reports, they say that this car was designed by supercomputers back in the 1990s. 
by 1990s supercomputers, AI, AI designed car coming the, to you. Probably the size of a room, you know, like I one know, of those like right. supercomputers, right? They that's have a guy who just changes uh, tubes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's probably what it was. I mean, well, but this, this is a good car. It, yeah, it is. And we've done an entire Z car episode. Yeah. And I don't know how much we focused on this model, the Z32 in particular. This is the, uh, the Fair Lady Z32, if you want to call it that as well. Mm-hmm. The twin turbo specifically. And of course, production went on longer than uh, just the 1990s because, well, actually, here in the United States, it went through the 1990s. In Japan, it was a little bit longer because it started in 1989 and went all the way through 2000. In the United States, uh, we only saw this twin turbo 300ZX from about 1990 until 1996. Um, the price when new was somewhere around the $40,000 range. I'm just taking a, a median age here. So, right. 1996, I believe, is the year that I, I selected. Um, that's the equivalent of about sixty-two thousand dollars in two thousand seventeen dollars, and so it's an expensive car. But as you said, Ben, you can pick one up for around twenty thousand dollars, and we, you know, this is one that you will occasionally see in traffic. They're still around. Yeah, yeah, they're still around. And the one that the one that we're talking about, the one that the author uses as an example for affordability, uh, it's about nineteen thousand dollars for a nineteen ninety-one model with just under 50,000 miles on it and that's not bad at all. No, no, and it was a car that a lot of people really were seeking at the time. I mean, a lot of people wanted this, but here's the other side of the coin is that right around that time is when the trend towards, uh, you know, people wanting SUVs, wanting bigger vehicles, wanting um, you know, not a minivan, but something that was a little not a truck, but you know, they wanted the SUV. The crossovers right. weren't a thing yet at right, the, at, right. the, at that time. Uh, but the, the the move to get away from you know, these smaller import sports cars mm-hmm. was already kind of, it was on its way. It was happening. It was in the air. Yeah, it was. And, you know, of course, there's still a market for it. It's just that the market wasn't quite as big. Yes. And so that's what happened. So the sales started to decline, and uh, and Nissan took away the Z car for a couple of years until we got it back in 2002 here in the United States with the uh, the 350Z. And our next our next addition to this list, oh, uh, the, the well, let's set it up, the... Uh, the author may have made a little bit of bad blood with my co-host Scott because he says this car probably isn't a good idea. But what car is it? Oh. We'll tell you after a word from our sponsor. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. 
for the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we're back. Scott, you're shaking your head in consternation during the during the ad break. I would say that it's always a good time to own a Lotus. <laughs> a Lotus. Honestly, yeah, you spirit, should. You, yeah. Anytime you can get your hands on a Lotus car and it's affordable, if this is affordable to you, yeah. get it. I just felt the chill in the room when we went to this one. Yeah. Because the author does say buying an older Lotus Spirit probably isn't a good idea, but there's really nothing else like it. Well, the problem is, of course, as we've said in a couple of other instances, maintenance. Maintenance is an issue because you do have to go to a dealership that will handle Lotus maintenance if you're not capable of doing that type of thing on your own. And a lot of people aren't capable of doing some major things on their own. Minor things, right, sure, sure. But, uh, but the major stuff, sure, you still have to go there and you're going to pay uh, quite a bit of money for parts and, and labor and things like that, as we all understand. Now, this is a car that came around in 1976, but you know it was made and manufactured all through the 1990s. It didn't end production until about 2004. And if you wanted to get a new one of these in the 1990s, I just tried to take a, um, a sampling of prices from the 1990s, and I found that the prices ranged anywhere from 70000 to 90000 dollars throughout the 1990s and production was relatively low i think they only built uh, a little less than 11,000 of these total mm-hmm. you know and throughout that whole production run if you're going to spend 70 to 90,000 dollars back then mm-hmm. it was equivalent to 130 to 168,000 dollars now Yes. And then now we're seeing the prices dropped all the way down to between twenty and thirty thousand dollars for a, a decent example of these. Yeah, and as as you pointed out, when we factor in the cost of maintenance with a with a car that age, no matter how well you maintain the schedule, right? Mm-hmm. The the maintenance schedule, the odds are that there are gonna be a couple of major major obstacles sure. that come along. Yeah. And so when that happens, I would say they they say budget a lot for maintenance. I would say consider the cost of this just like over the lifetime, probably add another 10 grand on it. Consider there. the cost of not owning this car. I mean, <laughs> th- th- what does that what does that do to your soul, really? I mean, if you knew if you knew it was there and you could have had a Lotus and you didn't take that opportunity. Right. I mean, yeah. th- that's something that would haunt you to the grave. It really would. Or maybe it just would haunt me. 
Yeah, Scott, do you, are I you love, okay, man? I, I love Lotus cars. <laughs> and, you know, here's one thing. You know, I, I was reading around in these forums, and, and this is something that a lot of people maybe haven't noticed. I, I, I picked up on this a while back when we were doing our Colin Chapman episode, and I, it was one of those things that I didn't include in our episode, mm-hmm. wish I had, because now I saw it again and reminded me. Have you ever noticed that all Lotus cars start with the letter E? All models of Lotus start with the aside yeah. from aside from the number vehicles like the right. the eleven or the seven, but the Elise, the Espirit. Yeah, there's there's the Esprit, there's the Elise, the Europa, the Siege. Uh, the, there's even they even threw a, um, an eleven in there, but they started it with the letter E the, for eleven. Uh, the Elan, the Elite. I mean, there's just it goes on and on. Yeah, why is that? Well, there's a few. Rumors and speculation. You have to look them up because there's many, many versions of this of why that happened. Um, you know, some of them come right down to you know Colin Chapman saying that he liked the way that eleven sounded after the word Lotus, Lotus eleven. It just seemed to flow off the tongue. Then there's other versions of that. You know, there's there's a few stories out there. So yeah. just look into it if you've got interest in that kind of thing. Probably a longer story than we've got time for here today. Uh, but we, I am going to dig into that. You know, that kind of stuff is really compelling. To and me. this is another Bond car, by the way. We need to mention that. Otherwise, oh, that's right. It, it yeah. was the submarine car in yep. the Spy Who Loved Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, whole story with that one. So, not uh, actually, uh, lest we, uh, lest we oversell this vehicle, it is not actually amphibious. So have your have your expectations lowered. But you you can't oversell a Lotus Elise. <laughs> or a Lotus, or I'm sure, I'm sorry, a Lotus Esprit as the one we're talking about. Now, yeah. Lotus Elise, I'm also a fan of. Yeah. Elon, Eleven, mm-hmm. all of them. And this moves us to. Yeah, we've established that. We've guess, established yeah. that. Okay. This yeah. moves us to the next on the list. What is it? It is the Porsche 968. Now, the production for the 968 went from 1992 until 1995, so it's a relatively small run of, of a, a Porsche vehicle. The price went new, and I just took a 1995 number because that was the end of production. Uh, price was around thirty-nine dollars to $52,000. So, again, today's money, that would be about sixty-two dollars to about $83,000. But that's not the price you'll pay today. Right. That is not the price you will pay today. Uh, there are, surprisingly, there's some on eBay right now for under $20,000. Under twenty k for a 968. Now, the, the, the crazy thing about this is when you look at it, initially you're going to think that that is a, uh, it's just another 944. I mean, I think just any, not a Porsche fan, of course. I understand that. There are going to be people that, that will stand up out of their chair when I say that. Uh, because... The 968 only shares 20% of its parts with the 944, even though they do have a similar look. you got to admit that they look similar. Yeah. 20% 20 part sharing between the 944 and the 968. Hmm. Surprising in my eye. Yeah, that is. Because, well, go ahead. Well, it makes sense economically, but it is is a surprising stylistic move. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and these are, uh, it's a Mm three-liter, 236 horsepower, uh, you know, another... um, Another front engine, rear-wheel drive layout. So you would think that uh, it would share a lot more parts than than that with the 944. Uh, and if you get the turbo, that knocks you up to 305. Yeah, horsepower. yep, 305, so not bad. Um, I don't know, it's a strong vehicle. I mean, again, I think this is one of those cars that is just kind of cool to see you own a Porsche for, uh, you know, under $20,000. Yeah, but you you can't tell people the price. You just well, got to tell people that you own a no, Porsche. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that, you know, you've got a Porsche parked in your garage. Oh, yeah. 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 That's cool. That right? is pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. That makes you the cool guy on the block. It's like, it's kind of like when, um, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you, 
if you lived in a neighborhood like this when you were a kid, but uh, it's kind of like when you're a kid and there's that one family that has a pool. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're the cool one now. Oh, sure. Everybody wants to be your friend. And I, I gotta say, I don't think that that cool factor applies as much to this next to this next vehicle. Oh man, I, you know, it's understated. It's a, it's an understated it's vehicle. It's subtle. It, it is, but <laughs> what do they call it? Like a velvet wrapped hammer. That's what this one is, really. Yeah. I mean, it's an incredible vehicle. It, we're talking about the Mercedes Benz SL 600, specifically the fourth generation of this vehicle. Right. And the reason we're saying specifically that is because. That's the one that comes with a 6-liter V12 engine, a lot like we talked about with the Aston Martin, right? Mm-hmm. Different engine. This is a Mercedes-built engine. This is actually the same engine that went into the first Pagani Zonda, the C12. Uh, I think that was later. That was like a two. I want to say it was in 2000-something uh, when that came around. But we're talking about a, uh, a car in 1993 that was valued at, get this, Ben, mm. $153,000. Three hundred ninety-five dollars in nineteen ninety-three. So if you were wow. to take that to twenty seventeen, yeah, this is a car that that would be adjusted to two hundred and fifty-eight thousand six hundred dollars in twenty sixteen, and it's offered, uh, you know, a lot of places, eBay or wherever, Craigslist, well under twenty thousand dollars now, which is insane. And these would be, you know, think of the existing mileage on this, like around forty, fifty thousand. Yeah, I mean, it, it's unbelievable the, the the depreciation that happened with these vehicles, and I, I can't get my head wrapped around this one other than it's the maintenance cost. The maintenance is what's driving people to, to get rid it. of these and to say that you know they're just not they're not valued at what they were. People that own one, you know, want to hang on to it forever, but a lot of people can't afford the upkeep of them. Now the thing is, like Mercedes, though, if you take care of the upkeep they they're super durable vehicles oh yeah well that's uh, that's fine but you will hear in for you know you read forums and i read a lot of forums about this car trying to figure out what what it was that make them drop in price so dramatically yeah and i can only come up with the maintenance in this in this situation and, and the reason is yeah. because a lot of people said sure you know there, there's the usual stuff you know that everybody pays for there's brakes there's fluids there's filters there's all that stuff right you know just routine maintenance maybe a broken windshield here or there there's all, but there's always something on this car that requires attention that is above one thousand dollars. Oh yeah, it's like a, it's it, an always something car. Whenever I take <laughs> it in, and then the other problem with it is that you can't just take it to you know the, the local shop and and you know have them repair it. A lot of these owners said if you want it done right, if you want it to, to be a lasting good repair, you have to take it to the Mercedes dealership and have them do it because they have the right tools. They have the special tools. They have the knowledge. And, you know, they're the only ones that can seemingly get this thing back together in the right way every single time. And that, to, you know, to them it's worth it to pay, you know, all that. You know, don't want a, a, a shoddy repair. And a lot of the things you can't do yourself on this vehicle. It's, it's just a it kind of a um, – it's an exotic engine, really. I mean, when you get right down to it. Mm-hmm. It's an exotic engine. So uh, good luck working on something like this in your garage. That's that's the other problem. So maintenance is another – it's a huge issue in this. But, man, yeah. for, for under $20,000 – uh, that's remarkable. And that may be one of the most, I think that's one of the most significant price drops we have in the entire list for today. I think so. I mean, maybe <clears throat> that, well, that Aston Martin, oh no, the Aston Martin was still valued just yeah. probably double what this one is valued at. So yeah, you're probably right. So, moving on, we go to something that a lot of, a lot of folks have been waiting for in the audience. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, friends and neighbors, 
the BMW M3 makes the list as well. Yeah, now this is one that was produced all through the 1990s. We're talking about specifically the E36 version of the M3. This is the third generation of the 3 Series cars, uh, produced throughout the 1990s, so 1990 to 2000. And, you know, ballpark price when it was brand new, uh, I'm going to say between $39,000 and $45,000. So still expensive, you know, at that time. This is a sports car. Yeah. I mean, it's a luxury sports car. But sure. uh, but it was desirable. A lot of people wanted a BMW. Of course, it carried with it a, uh, a name, you know, steeped in heritage. I guess maybe <laughs> I don't know a better way to say it. Um, but it, this car, by the way, just so that you get an idea of, of how strong this vehicle was, it made Car and Driver's ten best list every single year that it was on sale. Every year. Mm-hmm. So throughout the 1990s, it was always on that top ten list. They had, you know, several body styles to it. You could get a sedan, you could get a coupe, a convertible, an estate, or, you know, a wagon, I think they call it. Um, in a lot of places, they call it a state. Uh, you could get a hatchback version of this thing, even. So it had great variety. It, had, it was a strong performer. Um, people still seek this car out. Yeah, and there is something that we do have to mention, which is not not all of these were created equal, right? Yeah. Since the since the U.S. market had a different engine from what you could acquire in Europe, now we're going to my favorite one. I'm just going to be completely honest. Sure. The Dodge Viper. I had no idea you could get one at like this at, at forty thousand oh, dollars. Ben, are you forgetting our conversation? I think you're forgetting our conversation. We talked about this in an episode, but it was brief, so maybe that was it. We talked about this taking the place of the Ferrari 308 as our example of a car that you can't afford but probably shouldn't buy. That's right. <laughs> now, but but you know, I've I've been thinking about this, and maybe I'm going to go back on this. I don't know. I, I, I'm still undecided about this vehicle, but it's kind of our. I was going to start using this as our go-to car. Again, it was probably only three or four minute conversation. So I, I but I just keep. You know what it is? I keep getting like kid in a candy store with this thing. Yeah. You know, and I keep. I know it's like I know it's going to be bad for me. I know I'm going to regret it. I'll probably be kind of broke for a while. It'll but whisper to you at night that it wants to kill you. But Scott, it's a Dodge Viper. I know, and you know, <laughs> I see more and more of these things around town now than I think I ever have. I mean, I don't know what the deal is, and there's some new, some old. It's a siren call. There's it, something about it. It's hard to resist, man. I'm living one day at a time, and I don't know. You know, I'm on the edge. <laughs> I hope you get one. I'd love to see you. I'd love to see you in a Viper sometime soon Thanks, because they're, they're incredible. And the mid 1990s Roadsters are the ones that you can pick up for you know, a, a reasonable price. And we say reasonable because. Now let's get this straight. This is a supercar. It's a it's oh, an American yeah. made supercar. It's brutal. It's not it's not refined. It's it's more uh, it's more rougher on the edges. Uh, is maybe the best way to say it. Right. And of course, V10 power. I think it went anywhere from what in the early days was like 400 horsepower, and then it eventually climbed to 650 horsepower or more. Yeah. Uh, but we're talking about the mid 1990s, so we're probably right in that 400 450 range uh-huh. for the price that we're talking about. Right. And you can get these again. This is. This is the thing with these cars, Ben. You can get them in varying degrees of condition. The problem is that front end. Remember the price of the front end? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm trying to think of a way around this, and maybe that's why I'm, I'm reconsidering my, uh, my my pick here for kind of the car that you maybe shouldn't buy. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's a, it's a Lamborghini-tuned V10 engine. It's all aluminum. 
the the price that we had quoted or we talked about maybe for that for that hood piece that single piece that was uh, I think it's a composite material. Now I think do we say it's carbon fiber? I think it's composite. And there's a front clip and then there's headlights and all of that. If you run into anything in a parking lot or another vehicle or you know somebody hits you or whatever, it gets very very expensive. All three of those pieces that I just described or four including yeah. two headlights can be around $20,000. So if you rear-end somebody, there's a possibility that you're going to walk away with a $20,000 bill for your own vehicle to be repaired. Um, $12,000 to $15,000 of that is for that new single-piece hood. That's an, it's an enormous panel, really big. Um, right around, I think that clip, that front lower clip, or, um, you know, the very front end with the grill, mm-hmm. that's somewhere ballpark around you know three or $4,000 brand new. And then the headlights, I've heard, are around $500 each. So it gets very expensive very fast. But you can pick up used parts, uh, you know, that uh, much, much lower price. Still expensive, but um, that's kind of the danger of this vehicle. How easy is it to run into something with a Viper and crack up that front end? I think I think a lot of the ones that you'll find for sale, you know, in the 30000 to, let's say, $10,000 range yeah, are already yeah. going to have that damage. So you're going you're gonna to buy it knowing... <clears throat> That you're going to have to invest some money to make it look complete again. It's fair. It's true. You know what? You're tough but fair. Well, but then again, the Viper is the kind of car that I don't care if it has a front end on it. I'm going to drive it and have fun. <laughs> even, even if it's just wide open in front like the old cars that would run with no hood on them, you know? Oh, man. How could, you, it's a beautiful engine. You should show people, right? Ah, oh, You're right. I should get one. You definitely should get one. I'll help you in your search starting today if you'd like. I feel like I'm not. I, I feel like I'm tuning out and part of the conversation and I'll have I've got to move on before I get obsessed alright <laughs> and I appreciate your help well it's but, a beautiful this, car this could be we're really close to this being one of those go-kart or goat situations which oh, yeah. uh, ladies and gentlemen I don't know if you've if you've heard this before if you picked it up but off the air I, I ask uh, my co-host Scott for advice because uh, Scott knows a lot about a lot of things and, oh, thank you. Yeah, well, it's it's just an observation. Uh, <laughs> he knows a lot about a lot of things, and so several times I've I've gotten well together. We've gotten very very close to getting a go kart uh, and renting a goat for lawn maintenance. Oh, you're going to buy a goat. I was going to yeah because I couldn't rent one. That's right. Yeah, you're going to buy one, but then you could rent it to your friends, and so then it's the a money idea. maker. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That was the idea. Yeah, uh, the go kart's still a good idea, by the way. Doesn't yeah. matter what age you are, or how long it doesn't matter. It's a great idea. It is a great idea, yeah. and we are going to fi- we are going to reveal the last two affordable '90s dream cars after a word from our sponsor. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to 
bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right, and we're back, and uh, we're going to wrap up the last two here maybe a little bit quicker because I realize we spent a lot of time on some of the, uh, the side conversations. But it there. was a viper. Anyway, yeah, sorry. No. Yeah, no, no, no. And it was a it, lotus. It's just yeah. <laughs> that's in the past. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm here. I'm present. <laughs> I understand. All right, this is the uh, Porsche Boxster 986. Yeah, specifically the first generation of Boxster. Now, this this came around uh, 1996. I think they built them until about 2004. And there were a lot. Of, there are a lot of fans of this uh, this design. There are a lot of people that are detractors of this design. They don't. They don't like it. They said, uh, you know, what's Porsche doing making uh, this entry level vehicle? How they looked down their nose at you know the people that bought the Boxster and said you know this shouldn't even be allowed to park at our events. <laughs> now, th- th- honestly, there's that kind of attitude towards this car from yeah. a lot of people, and there shouldn't be really. This is a it's a it's a great car. It's, I think I read somewhere, and I, I hope I'm not mixing this up with the 968, but I thought I heard had heard that this is. Porsche's first all-new vehicle in something like 29 years at that point. It was a long time. Maybe it wasn't exactly that that amount of time, but it was um, um, one of the first times they had completely redesigned a vehicle or designed a brand-new vehicle f- from the ground up for a long, long time, decades. Um, but now... Um, you can pick up one of these, or pick one of these up from around, what did that say, about ten, twelve thousand dollars That's ballpark. Uh, price brand new, if you wanted to go back to 1997, was between $40,000 and $50,000. So they were pretty expensive back then. Uh, that would have been around, you know, $60,000, $75,000, somewhere in there. Um, had a couple of really great engines, some flat six engines, a 2.5, a 2.7, and then also a 3.2 liter version that you could get. Um, Porsche was in a lot of trouble in the 1990s when this car came around. They were in dire straits, and a lot of people have given credit to the Boxster as the vehicle that brought it back from the brink of um, a potential sale. 
brink of extinction. Well, I, I wouldn't I, say extinction. I, I think someone would have bought the brand and continued to make it, but it wouldn't have been. It, it wouldn't have been Porsche. I don't think it would have been the same. So I, I do think it would have been. You're absolutely right, Scott. They did get close to being sold or acquired, mm-hmm. and I think that would have been extinction. I think the only they w- they would have maybe tried some other things, but mm-hmm. the market probably wouldn't have reacted very well. Yeah, because it would be seen as sort of a counterfeit Porsche, and then they would have to go to like legacy revivals to survive. Well, I, I give Porsche a lot of credit for creating this vehicle. I mean, I, th- I think that yeah. uh, it was a smart move at the time. They had a lot of people that were pushing against doing something mm-hmm. like this. And I'm sure that's not just, you know, public opinion. I'm sure there was some pressure from within to not do this. And uh, they went forward with a plan and it worked out for them. We have a listener named Colin S. from Denver, Colorado, who wrote in a while back about um, his father's first generation Boxster. And it's valued right around $12,000 right now. Yeah. Uh, and that's with 30,000 miles. And he said it's a pristine version of, of you know, this first-gen Boxster. But he said the problem with it is the maintenance cost. And, and again, here we, here we are with the maintenance issue because he said the last oil change that he took it in for, and this is a while back, he said the oil change was about $750. Uh, and I'm sure that there's some other, you know, supplemental things that go along with that. It's not just an oil change oh by any means. Um, but he did also have a major service done recently, you know, whenever this was written, uh, there was something like, it was over $2,000. So there, mm. again, a $2,000 maintenance and a $750 oil change on a car that's only valued at $12,000. After a few times of doing that, yeah. you, you get pretty tired of, of spending that kind of money at the dealership. But You'll end up spending more money on oil than you will on well, the car. Well, this is the thing, and this this is the case with several of these vehicles on this list, is that, and even when it was new, this is, uh, it, it's more true now than ever because the price is lower, but even when it was brand new, Porsche priced this vehicle at a price that was attractive to someone who was, say, mid-20s, has a pretty decent job. You know, not the first right. job out of college, right. but, you know, they're kind of on their way to being a career person, got whatever they're, you know, they're, they're focused on their career, want to buy something that's a, a status symbol. Mm-hmm. This was priced just right for somebody, you know, 25 to 30 years old, maybe a little bit older, but the problem was you couldn't afford to maintain it, and the maintenance is something that's so critical. So a lot of these you'll find are in really bad shape. You can yeah. find some some that are in just horrific condition because the owner never took care of it. They could afford the payments, couldn't afford the maintenance. So if we want to do a silver lining on this, if you're looking for a project car, you could consider this a project car. Yeah, but understand that whoever you buy it from, you might want to do a little profiling and see how they handle other things. Are they, uh, you know, they uh, have a well-manicured lawn. Do they, uh, <laughs> do they, how about their other vehicle? Is it in good shape as well? Yeah, you know, yeah, check, yeah. Th- check stuff like that out. Ask them about receipts. Do you have a lot of receipts? Mm-hmm. Ask them um, if, they, if they've kept a log, a maintenance log. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, which um, they may or may not have. But uh, you can learn more about the art and science of getting a good deal in a used car by checking out our earlier episode episodes excuse me yeah. on that um and you can also check out uh how to how, how to find out whether your mechanic is on the up and up nice tying that one in ben I'm, you know, I'm I'm working for it. I yeah. think sometimes I reference too many past episodes, but <laughs> it feels like the fastest way to get the information to you folks is is just to say, usually if it sounds like Scott and I have glossed over a particular thing, we have an episode waiting for you on carstuffshow.com that goes maybe into too much detail about it, man, right? You are selling it today, and I like it. That's oh, nice. hey, thanks. Nice, nice work. Uh, I wanted to ask our, uh, our super producer uh, to toss a drum roll in for our final vehicle. 
That was perfect. Yeah, just that was, right. That was perfect. Every uh, time. Every time. Uh, the final vehicle is the Mitsubishi 3000 GT. Yeah, okay, well, this is going to end with a tremendous... Uh, um, coincidence, I'll tell you that. But uh, <laughs> but I'll tell you about that in just a minute. Now, in the 1990s, there was a, a Mitsubishi created a vehicle called the 3000 GT. There was another uh, vehicle that was similar that was the Dodge Stealth. Uh, but this is the Mitsubishi version of this one. And specifically, in this article, they listed as being, uh, you know, a competitor to vehicles like the Toyota Supra or even the Acura NSX. This one that we're talking about is the, the top-of-the-line all-wheel drive 3000 GT VR4, and I think that was right. I, th- I want to say that this is one that was produced specifically in 1999, the one that they're talking about, the VR4 version. Yeah. Um, the thing is, Ben, these can be found for under $15,000 now, which is really, really good. Excellent price. Now, the VR4 um, sold for, in 1999, it sold for around twenty five, anywhere between twenty five dollars and $45,000. You know what? I'm going to amend this. I'm going to say that that was probably... $25,000 for the standard uh, 3000 GT, the, the $45,000 would have been the VR4 version, I would guess. And here's where this amazing coincidence comes in, right? Now, okay. it's, a, it's a beautiful looking car. Oh, yeah, people, yeah. I mean, a lot of people can agree that, you know, I think most people can agree. It has the looks of a, a 1990s, well, I wouldn't say supercar, but a sports car, definitely. And right? It was also ahead of its time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it had a lot of advancements that other cars you know, just weren't offering. Mm-hmm. At the time, so um, it's it's an incredible vehicle. It really is the the one that we're talking about in specific. This this VR4 um, for the year 1999, only 274 of these were sold or imported to the United States. So they're a rare bird by by all means, right? Mm-hmm. Tough to find them. So I was reading this. You know, I, I was following this link from this. This is from a uh, Road and Track article that we're following along with. But Jalopnik had an article about this. And the guy that wrote about it, I think his name is, uh, the author that wrote about it, his name is um, Freddy Hernandez. It was over at Jalopnik. And he, he bought one of these. And he has a, a separate thing that he runs called, I think it's called like the Art of the Flip. Oh, okay. Uh, where he buys cars and Flips documents them. what he does to them and how much he sells them for. And, oh, cool. And you know, it kind of tracks the progress of it. It's an interesting thing to read. It, again, called Art of, the, Art of the Flip. And one of the vehicles was one of these, um, the, what he calls a super rare 3000 GT VR4 and he bought it uh, I forget when he bought it it was a while back mm-hmm. but he he wrote in his article and again you have to look this up online in Jalopnik but he wrote at the at the very end of it when he's, he's documenting like the arrival of this and the excitement over buying and everything he says you can check these out on eBay and here's a link but good luck finding a 1999 VR4 <laughs> so i thought all right, well, I'll just look at this on eBay and see what the prices are. So I click on it, and the very first vehicle on the list was a 1999 VR4. It was the same color as the one that he owned, and he was writing about in this article. So I thought, well, that's really weird. And I looked at it, and I, I, I opened the um, the listing on eBay. Yeah, open the page. And in the description, it says... This is the exact same car that Freddie Hernandez <laughs> documented in, in his Jalapnik car. He said, "He said that's why the photos are the exact same. These are the, this is the same car that was owned by him, and the auction had five hours left in it. That's how close it was to missing this. By so last night I looked at it. It ended at midnight. I don't know what it eventually sold for, but it was on on sale in Roseville, California. And it, of course, I think um, Mr. Hernandez lives in New Jersey, so it made its way to Roseville, California, and it was uh, with five hours remaining. It was for sale for sixteen thousand two hundred dollars. Not a bad price considering what you're getting. I mean, if you mm-hmm. if you read about the VR4 in specific, you'll you'll understand what I mean. But even the standard three thousand GT, if, if you can call it standard, 
uh, was an incredible vehicle and very, you know, highly sought after. A lot of people wanted this car in, you know, back in the day. Well said, my friend. Well said, and <laughs> I completely, uh, I completely agree. I'm a little bit dumbfounded by the coincidence, but it, I guess those things happen. You know, I, I did this. <laughs> this is funny. I thought there's no way that was happening. Like, there's, I'm not seeing what I'm seeing because these are this article's written years ago. I'm just tracking it now for this episode that we just happened to decide on, you know, recording this week, and then it just happens to be the very first listing with five hours left in the auction. It, way too much of a coincidence, but it's true. It really did happen, and I tried to find it today. I tried to go back, and I wish I had, you know, saved the. Uh, um, the listing number, because I could check out what it eventually sold for, but I, I neglected to do that yesterday, uh, so I don't know. But 16.2 was the last bid on it, again, with five hours left. And it, just a crazy coincidence, but stuff like that sometimes happens. You know, it's, yeah. Describing it's difficult and, and arduous sometimes, but uh, <laughs> but I hopefully got there. And this will conclude our list for today, which means we are looking for your help, folks. Uh Write to us and let us know if there's something that we should add to the list. Yeah. This, An- another affordable 1990s dream car. Yeah, this is Road and Track's list. And, and to be honest, I, I tried to, you know, search the recesses of my memory of, for something. Yeah. Something that was, you know, expensive then would be affordable now. And this list really covers a lot of them. So it mm-hmm. did a great job. I didn't want to add a whole lot to it. Um, I could think of maybe one, like the BMW M Coupe, maybe. Hey, that, not bad. One. Yeah, yeah, it was expensive. It was like $46,000. Um, back in 1999, mm-hmm. I don't know what they're going for now. I think you know ballpark twenty, twenty thousand. Huh? So half of that price. We also have one more order of business, Scott. I think you you know what it is. What's that? I'm going to pitch it right now. First reaction, Dylan the Lotus Fagan. Oh, why? Anything with Lotus in it has to stay. I'm I'm really I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of leveraging that. You know, it'd be better as if na- his name started with E or ended with E. Well, it has yeah. to have an E in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dylan Elotis. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, if his name like Ethan or something. Right, yeah, right, it didn't, right. It didn't work out. Um, all right. So, uh, what about Tristan? We've got. Um, you know how? Okay, you know how in Atlanta there there's uh, Outcast, right? Yeah. Don't look over at him. Oh, this I'm is seeing his reaction. <laughs> this, He's so fearful. There's uh there's Andre three thousand. Okay. Uh and I think using numbers for nicknames is really cool. So what if he's Tristan three thousand McNeil? All right. It works. It's acceptable? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not my best work. What do you think? You agree? But, well, are we getting the thumbs up. We got a thumbs up. All right, so it we works. got a thumbs up. And it felt like a sincere thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll discuss that later. Yeah. So right. So write to us and let us know uh, what what other vehicles you think should be added on the list. And I'm also interested to see what vehicles are out now that you think will be classics or dream cars in the future. Yeah, because this is going back a long way. We're talking some you know cars that could be as old as 27 years old at this point, or mm-hmm. um, so or 17. Uh, but but. Yeah, again, this is another one of those kind of like forecast of future type of, you know, ideas that maybe try to determine right now what's going to be worth about half as much or even less in the future. That's something that's expensive right now that you might be able to afford. But I like the idea of, of going back and finding a 1990s car that, uh, that you know, you, something that you desired back then that you want now. Something that was uh, considered not exotic, but something that was unattainable back then. Right. And that was the, the problem I had is, again, it's a good list. But I'm sure that we're forgetting, you know, there's probably 100 other cars that we were just not coming up with. You know, sure. Top of the mind. Yeah, yeah. So 
love our listeners to write in and tell us what they think. And you can, as we said, find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter, where we are Car Stuff HSW and cover a lot of things that, for one reason or another, don't make it onto the air. Or you can write to us directly. We are Car Stuff at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at Viking.com.